They stole your mind, now get it back. Get ready for the ride of your life. Total recall. You're great, aren't you? You're about to take a vacation to Mars. They're trying to kill you. It should be fun. Deadly secrets are being unlocked by your mind implant and relaxing. Only you can prevent an interplanetary catastrophe. Beware of secret agents, ninja hitmen, and robot drones attempting to destroy you. Have a safe trip. You'll never make it alive. Totally, Carl. The action game you'll never forget. Acclaim Entertainment Masters of the Game. Nintendo. Welcome, dear listener, to our podcast, Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, where we journey through each issue of the most underrated Marvel series of the 80s while drinking beer, analyzing awesome and amazing adolescent adventures, and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. And I am Rick. Not my random, not my banter. Random banter time, buddy! How are you? Tell me the truth. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. It's a really simple one here. Not my circus, not my monkeys. Yeah. Yep. Got it, got it, got it, got there it. Um, no, I'm doing fine. A little tired, a little tired. I, I made a mistake. I made a mistake in my life. I made a bad life choice. That life choice was to download Stardew Valley onto my PS4. I consider this a bad choice because got a little bit of an addictive personality with some of these games. And if I get invested in them, I do not want to put them down pound that with the fact that my daughter who has no interest in video games whatsoever except she likes to watch me play them said can i make up my own character can i play with my own game like sure so now we're trading off Mm -hmm. you know i finish a day she finishes a day i finish a day I tell her she's going to eat dinner and it takes her a while. And I'm like, yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Daddy gets to fit in a day and a half. Aha, and, uh, when the daughter's away, the parent will play <laughs> Stardew Valley. <laughs> Pretty much. I also had today off. Today was a, a school day or a, a day off from her school for her. So I have some extra time vacation. I was like, I'm going to take the day off too. Which meant that last night I may have been up (gasps) way too late. So, thus me being tired because I may have gotten three hours of sleep Mm. before my wife woke up. And she said, you should go back to sleep. No, no, I'm awake. I'm awake. I I got plenty of sleep last night. As my body said, no, you fool. You are not 20. You did not get enough sleep last night. (laughs) It's fun when we start realizing these things. Yet still do it because, you know, why not? It's... It's our lives, and we'll live it the way we want. Ugh. You're not my supervisor, body. <laughs> Take that, spleen. Yeah. <laughs> You're not the boss of me, body. Stop pumping yeah. adrenaline into me. I don't have to fight or flight anything. I just want to wake up. Yeah, I, I need I need to I need to pull back because I'm letting some things drop because of this little obsession. But let me tell you, Stardew Valley is a fun little game. I'm invested in my in my character and their farm. Anyways, that is what is draining my life energy uh, away. What is draining your life energy away, sir? Oh, just life. 
and the okay. lack of energy. But um, <laughs> on on the plus side, I am going to be getting a new TV here pretty soon. Really? That's great. So I'm guessing you, you got you got some extra money coming in. You finally cleared that space in the wall that you wanted to place the TV. And it's like, okay, it's time to upgrade to the next thing. So this was a planned thing for you? No, no. This was a surprise. Uh, oh, you got a surprise new TV. We're getting That's a surprise nice. new nice. TV. Well, the, the TV itself isn't a surprise because we said, huh, guess we need a new TV. Because you know how modern TVs are. You have to be very careful with them and you have to be aware of that. And so we were moving it to clean around it and also it's sitting on a cedar chest and we wanted to get something out of there. Very important to Stella Luna toys, stuffed animals for our daughter who loves Stella Luna and bats and everything right now. So it's like Hillary's all, hey, you know, in that chest is a mama mama bat and a Stella Luna bat. And so why don't we get those out? Yeah, okay. So we'll, and we'll clean around it during that. So being very cognizant, pick the TV up, get in there, do the stuff, clean, set it back down. Oh, we need to adjust it here. Okay, we'll move it over here. Okay, great. Perfect. Not a problem. Very careful with it. Hillary goes to turn it on the uh, about an hour later, and she's like, huh. And I'm like, huh. And like the top eighth of it has a big crack going through it, and it is all black. And then there's like a nice crosshatch hair, you know, like a crosshair going on to another part of it. And it's like, which one of us did that? And we don't know. <laughs> I'm like, I was being really careful with it. But was I? And Hillary's like, me too, but was I? So we can't point fingers. I, I want to accept the blame on it. I'm not sure, but we messed up our TV. We're getting a new one. The new one's going to be super nice, which is very cool. To get a couple of stuffed animals into dust a little bit, it cost us a different, fairly decent TV. <laughs> so we're getting a new TV, and that's the high point. Do what I do and just blame the cat. Yeah, except the cat wasn't involved with this one at all. Yeah, that's what you think, but you know... You know, you know, you, you turn your back for one second and that cat's up to shenanigans. Oh, you know, uh, Herbie, you know, Aurora earlier that day also just walked right up to the TV and punched it. It wasn't even on. She just was like, huh, kunk. Like, hey, but it was nowhere near where it broke. So. <laughs> okay. Um, Could I'm be any one of us. To, I blame the cat. <laughs> and then the child. Okay, moving on from that, why don't you go ahead and give us the two-sentence replay from last episode? Nova has regained her cosmic powers and is now evil for some reason. So she becomes massively ineffective, which is also a trait that can be assigned to three of the members of Power Pack, as they mostly stand around doing not much of nothing, while Jack comes up with good plans and repeatedly knocks Nova cups over kettles in their rather boring and stalemate confrontation. But never fear, because Reed Richards is here to also not do much of nothing, but observe his son come back from picking up a weapon from Galactus that will most assuredly kill him and maybe save Earth and Nova, which means that it totally saves the Earth and Nova while also not killing the Elon that took it from him to save the day and, and reset a lot of stuff back to Peachy. Now that the... Oh, I could also mention that Maggie and Jim now know that their kids are power pack, but I would much rather talk about the nameless homeless man that got a shave and a haircut and a new outfit in space. Two-sentence replay is over. Why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our power pack pick is? Two bits. Two bits. Sorry, I, I did. We, we just did watch Roger Rabbit. And <laughs> so that just kind of hit me really hard when you said shaving a haircut. I couldn't let it pass. Couldn't let it pass. Nope. Because I'm a tune. Mm, I get that. I get that. I get that. We are far afield from the point. Let's go ahead and talk about a beer. And the only way we can do that is if Jeff 
unwraps the beer that I have given him. Let's see. Hang on, hang on a second, hang on a second, Jeff. I want you to look closely in my eyes. Yes. Ooh, mm. I'm using hypnotism on you. I don't know why. Rick I just is hypnotizing it. me. He used his <laughs> hypno eyes. He gave me the hypnotism. Look deep into my eyes and see what magical, magical drink I have given you. Dun, dun, dun. Belgium Red. Belgian Ale with Cherry and Elderberry. Hmm. Why would you give me a Belgian red? Let's see. Why don't you explain what's, what's on the can? It's red. Uh-huh. And it has words on it. And, uh-huh. uh, well, there's a giant elephant on it. There's a huge talk, elephant right square talk, in the center. Let's talk about the elephant in the room here. Because we're going to go to the... We're, we are going to go to the circus, and there's... What do you find at the circus? You find elephants at the circus. Yeah, you find ringmasters and clowns and strongmen and a human cannonball and uh, acrobats. You find all sorts of stuff. And you do find elephants. Or in this case, one singular pink elephant. No, wait. Other side of the can. There's two elephants here. Story time is... If you uh, take it to a special place, they will give you money. And they prefer the serving temperature to be between 41 and 45 degrees Fahrenheit. All right. Belgian ale. Well, let's get into this thing and see how it is. So this is Delirium Red Belgian Ale with cherry and elderberry, like you said. This is brewed by, I'm not even going to try to say it, H-U-G-H-E Brewery in Belgium. And this is, of course, a a Belgium ale. It is a eight percent alcohol by volume and i bought it for the simple reason that it had an elephant on it i got nothing else to tell you all right that is a dark red that uh, that looks like a that looks like it could be a, a cherry soda or something soda soda cherry, cherry soda holding it up to the light it's you know if it's not in the light it looks very dark in the can yeah. the foam on it is well actually yeah the foam on the this is Got a nice pinkish it's color pink. to it. It's, it's pink. pink. And it's if pink. you hold it up to a brighter light, it starts getting uh, like really deep red kind of mahogany tones to it. That's a pretty looking beer when you hold it up. It's got the cherry notes and the Belgium ale notes. Yep. It's got both of them in there. There's like a sweetness to Belgium ale, but then you've got this punch of cherry that's right there too. It's a fruit tart. It smells like a lifesaver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you say that and that's not too far from the course. That is... Uh, it's almost like a cherry bread kind of scent. Yeah, cherry is cherry is the flavor of choice here. Mm-hmm. And then on the sippy sips. Hello, cherry. Hello, cherry. Hello, cherry, yeah. my old friend. I've come to sip on you again. This is cherry. Is it? Yeah. Is it medicinally? There's something else going on with the cherry. It's a very tart cherry. It's almost like a pie cherry, yeah. I think yeah. is what's going yeah. on. I would agree. That sweet tart taste. Yeah. It's not a sour. No. It's a tart but it is not a sour because sours are extremely like, you know, kind right. of thing. It, it's interesting you say that, though, because it's hitting the same areas yes. that a sour normally hits, but it's not. But it's also washing those areas with a sweetness. There is. It's interesting because there is a, a tart core wrapped around a fruity sweet. You don't really taste the alcohol. In the back end, you do get the wafting of the elderberry. Okay. That's kind of in the background there. I can see that. It's not bad. It's no. It's very sweet. You start getting um, a little bit of that ale flavoring if you let it ride long enough. But it, mm-hmm. it is very cherry. It yeah. is very cherry with kind of a little bit of ale in it. Not too bad for a start. I'm I'm really curious to see how this goes forward because it's very promising. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to keep enjoying it or not yeah. or if it's going to get annoying after a while. It's tasty yes. right now, though. Let's see how it goes. The only way we can do that, though, is to get through this book. 
and get through it we shall, my friend, if you give us the opening credits. Power Pack issue number 55, October 1990, at the circus. Credits, writer, Michael Higgins, artist, Tom Morgan, letterer, Chris Eliopoulos, colorist, Nell Yomtov, editor, Mike Rockwitz, chief, Tom DeFalco. Featuring Power Pack, Alex Power, a.k.a. Mass Master, Molecular Density, Julie Power, Lightspeed, Flyer, Jack Power, Destroyer, Energy, Katie Power, Counterweight, Gravity, we know these kids. We also got the Power Parents. Now, they know about the powers of the Power Kids, but they're each having a little different reactions. Jim, he's barely keeping it together, but he's not talking about it. Maggie, well, I think she's gone a little cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, if you know what I mean. We also have the Circus of Crime, members of which are... Ringmaster, the hypnotist, and ringmaster, and leader of the Circus of Crime. Clown, a circus clown who is the Circus of Crime's occasional leader. Bruto the Strongman, a strongman named Bruto. Human Cannonball, a human cannonball. The Great Gambonos, who are Italian acrobats. And Livewire, a lariat artist. I still don't understand. How can I be going bald? Alex, I explained this on a prior episode of Science Corner, so you should already know. And sometimes it happens when you get older. Jeesh. Join Hair Club for Men or Grow You if it bugs you that much. Dude, that is not the Alex way. We have seen time and time again, he sees a problem, frets about it, then chooses the worst option available and hopes his family will save him. Well, I am questioning his choice of t-shirts. Black t-shirt with the words, scuzz, Juz because... I got nothing on that. Yeah, me neither. Google has failed me. Alex, feeling that the world has failed him, sneaks out of the house early in the morning. He has a plan that he does not want to tell his family about, so he walks out into the early morning breeze. Swoosh! And watches as his hair flutters off into the wind. Bummer. Later that morning, the three younger members of the pack are sitting around the apartment. Jack is complaining about his dad's bad cooking, and the girls are talking about going to the circus at Madison Square Gardens. Apparently, Maggie is still not feeling well, so she's staying in the bedroom. So, Jim is cooking breakfast. Wait, isn't that Maggie at the table? What? Where? Oh, oh no, no, that's uh, Julie. Are you sure? I mean, we have been saying that her hair is getting big, but that's nuts. Plus, she physically looks the same size and age as Jim. Well, she is acting older, too. There's an article in the paper that a rich, stereotypical Middle Eastern prince is going to be at the circus. And Julie, Julie has an opinion on this. Oh, Katie, isn't he dreamy? This hits Jim in the fatherly gut. Apparently, he did not realize that Julie was of an age to be into boys. For now. What? Oh, uh, nothing. Jim starts to take a plate of food into Maggie. Apparently, she is still a little fragile since she saw her kids superpowering it up on TV. On his way, he sees Alex in the kitchen. His oldest boy is sporting a New York's Mets baseball cap and is standing in the dark shadows looking all kinds of creepy. And Jim is not having it. He is pretty upset that Alex took off without telling anyone. After all, Maggie's not well. And why is he standing in the dark looking like an angsty 90s vampire? Wait. Is he a vampire? I, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, he's not sparkling, and I know that is one of the signs of vampirism that I learned about in the Twilight series. Well, Alex is a little back to his old self because he drops another G. Do you remember when we used to count those? Nope. No, I do not, and you can't make me remember. Okay. Alex politely asks his dad to give him some space. He's going through some weird 
personal stuff right now. Jim chalks us up to puberty and does the big old mental backup out of the convo. Back in the dining area, the other kids are forcing themselves through Dad's bad cooking. Alex gets some ribbing about the hat. Hey, Alex, what's up with the baseball cap? Another newfound fan now that the Mets are in first place? His answer to that is to finally take the hat off. Well, it is a look. Yeah, Alex got a buzz cut, and I have questions. Well, my brother the skinhead. Okay, a statement more than a question. I was just wondering where the very prominent bald spot from the beginning of the issue went. We will cover that later, because it is time for... <gasps> Meanwhile at Four Freedoms Plaza... Home of the worst parents in the world, four and a half years running. Now, you may think that we are lying, folks. That we are doing a lot of hyperbole about how Reed Richards and Sue Richards are really bad parents. But hang in there and check this out. Friday is on the roof of the building with Reed and Sue Richard. Eh, she's all camoed up and stuff. Franklin, the Elon, and the nameless lounge singer... Who is actually a well-dressed homeless man, but still nameless. Okay. Yeah, uh, first the Elon. It is time for the Elon to go back to wherever it came from. And Friday is going to take him there. Franklin is sad by this, but he understands. It is not unlike his parents sending him over to live with the powers full-time so that he can be around kids his own age. You heard that right, folks. The Richards think that it is better if Franklin stays with another family that has four kids with powers instead of here, with adults with superpowers that are actually his family. Nothing bad should happen there. Nope, not at all. And here's the better part. Franklin would like Friday to take him over to the powers place alone because he is such a big boy now and i mean why not at this point i would want to cut ties with these prize winning parents as well well it's time to get going and the captain of the ship aka the unnamed guy is ready to be on the road and the hits keep on coming folks unnamed guys in charge of friday and taking the elon home and and taking franklin across town to the powers place Amazingly, the unnamed guy is the adult in the room and living up to his responsibilities. I guess they are his for some reason. But as a parting gift, he finally offers up the name of Raymond to the first family. But I have a question about this. Is it his first name? Is it his last name? Is it his middle name? Is it his code name? Is it Cover Girl? The answer is, we don't know. But Reed trusts him. He feels like he's met him before. So he lets his son go with them. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is a prime example of why he is the reigning worst dad of the year. Minutes later. Home of the sexy upskirt wind gag for absolutely no reason. Yeah, as a ship lands in Central Park, that happens. But then Franklin walks off the Invisible Friday, says goodbye to the Elon, and walks up to the Powers apartment. Why didn't Friday drop him off at the apartment? <laughs> um, upskirt gag, remember? Oh, yeah. Soon, Franklin shows up at the apartment. Okay, well, almost. He does pass by some creepy adults. The first is a lady called Miss Masters, and she says that she has a special little boy, too, that he might like to meet sometime. Stranger danger! Stranger danger! Stranger danger! Yeah, that kind of is stranger danger, and okay, that's odd. And possibly a setup for a future storyline. Strange that Franklin did not mention that he knows an Elysium Masters, but 
you know, whatever. Then, in the power apartment building, we have a guy who wants to help Franklin push the buttons in the elevator. Now, I say this is creepy because Franklin is four and a half years old, walking from Central Park to here carrying two big old duffel bags. The child screams parental neglect. Well, he successfully makes it to the apartment. They drop off his bags, and Franklin gives Alex the kind of compliment that makes you wonder if he is actually giving him grief about his hair. Katie drops the great news that they are going to the circus later, and we find out that Alex, Mr. Grouchy Shorthair himself, is in charge as Jim is staying back to take care of Maggie. Meanwhile at the circus... Home of the, what time is it? Crime time! With the Circus of Crime! The ringmaster is telling his Circus of Crime criminals that they should give up the life of crime. Oh man, they have like one thing they do. Why are they even here? That's kind of the general consensus, but ringmaster has a really great reason for it. They, the Circus of Crime, the kingpins of crime on the ring top, really suck at crime. Which is ironic, since crime is kind of in their name. Counterpoint. As the human cannonball remarks, they only need to succeed once. True. But counter-counterpoint. You only need to spontaneously combust one time to be known as the Human Torch. And it seems that those two, the combustion and the one successful crime by the circus, would have the same probability of occurring. The ringmaster does a soft threat saying that he could hypnotize them, but he is their friend. And if you do not have a friend in crime, you do not have anyone. Hey, Jeff, I'm going to learn how to do needlepoint so I can make a pillow for you that says that. Oh, that's really nice, but it seems kind of like a lot of work. You're right. I think I'm just going to steal one that says that instead. Ah, that's the spirit. Back in the big tent, the crowd is settling in, and that includes five kids with superpowers, one rich parents and two bodyguards, a partridge and a pear tree, and... They're all wearing turbans. The prince has a big expensive jewel in his. Why are the kids wearing turbans? Is Alex's hair really that bad? Ignoring you. Speaking of which, though, Julie is not ignoring the prince. In fact, she almost passes out when he glances at her. Oh, the vapors. Huh. Okay. Meanwhile backstage, home of the crime guys. The six other performers under the leadership of Clown have decided to do crime. If you're going to follow a clown, you are going to have a circus. Exactly. Changed my mind. I want to have that needle pointed into a pillow. But let's also stop talking about past politics and see how this all plays out, shall we? Agreed. And that means back to the big top. Meanwhile in space, home of the... That's a different kind of big top. Yeah, the Elon, Raymond, and Friday have shown up on the planet where they first found the Elon. But instead of a vibrant world filled with living parents and happy people and shiny people, they apparently found a dead world and dead parents. Kind of the end of the world as they know it. Which should not be surprising as that is how they left the place, but short memories and all that. They do, however, find and bury the Elon's parents' bodies. Now that respects have been paid, and the alien has spent enough time learning English to talk to Raymond, we find out that the Elon is ready to go back to Earth and become a member of Power Pack. Okay! Wait, wait, what? Before we can answer that loaded question, I just want to point out that the Elon has caught this weird virus thing that has been going around, where it does not introduce itself to anyone, not even Raymond. Who? The uh, nameless homeless guy who said his name. I remember, but I'm still confused, like, so confused. So am I. Meanwhile at the circus, home of the things that live at a circus, so an elephant, I guess. Hey, look, like on our beer. 
The ringmaster is in the spotlight doing his thing, directing his associates to entertain people, but I personally am hoping for some needless violence and ridiculous antics. Welcome to the new Power Pack. As the acrobat performs on the high wire and the ringmaster is distracted, the clown bounces on his unicycle and frees the lions from their cage. Boing, boing. Livewire takes control of the lions for a part of the plan to come later. For now, one of the acrobat brothers lands in front of the prince and fakes an injury, then jumps up and takes the turban with the jewel from the prince and runs away. Wait, that was the plan? Yes. And in broad daylight grab and go? Yes. Wow, that was lame even for them. I mean, you do not have to do anything to solve this caper. You and all the crowd just have to get the police and inform them that the purple jumping jack of the circus took the jewel. But that would not be a comic book. Oh, no. We have to have some fun. The kids have seen this and they want to get involved, so they costume on. What the heck was that? If I'm not mistaken, that was a leftover graphic from the opening sequence of the 1970s Wonder Woman show. I do believe you're right. Is, is, is that how they're changing costumes now? Guess so. A panel of a cartoon lightning bolt and stars, and the kids are costumed up. Then, the antics begin. I thought they already had. The Gambino that has the jewel is running across the ring, in front of everyone in the audience, screaming, I've got it! I got it! That is, until Julie flies by and grabs it from him. But then, the human cannonball, the one-trick bony, Mr. Single-Use Encounter Power himself gets fired from his cannon, probably by his son, flies across the tent, grabs the turban from Julie, and promptly smashes into a pole. Bang! The MacGuffin bounces across the tent into a rampaging pack of circus animals. Oh, hey, look, it includes the lions from earlier. I guess this is why they were let out, to be part of this most cunning of plans? Question mark? Alex, making even stranger choices, makes the choice to shrink down to dodge the trampling animals and to look for the bedazzled turban. Katie, taking a cue from her brother that the land-based animals are dangerous, decides that jungling the animals is a whole lot of fun... And a whole lot safer for him and everybody. Okay, sure. Makes sense. Alex, still small, finds the turban, crawls into it, and does a silly running gag away from the strongman, who decides to plant himself chin-first into the floor in a critically fumbled attempt at grabbing the turban from tiny Alex. Wham! Then, Alex grows tall and calls himself a prince, a ruler, a mover, and a shaker while wearing the turban. He was inexcusably goofing around so much that he missed the clown riding up on him who then begged the bangle from his buzz-cutted brow. Finally, the clown was so distracted with the joy of being the latest keeper of the keepaway prize that he does not see Jack shoot a powerball at his unicycle. Zrap. Okay, this is all well and good, but after the clown's tumble, where's the prize? Well, it flew through the air with the greatest of ease and landed in the hands of... the ringmaster. Yeah, this is not what he wanted. Not any of this. He just wanted to do a nice, simple show. But here he is. The prize is in his hands. He could do it. He could keep it. He could... And then he sees a pack of powers and a pack of police rapidly approaching his general direction. So he does what anyone would do in this situation. He gets jiggy with it and promptly exits stage left. As he runs across the ring, Julie and Katie fly a cage over and capture the rest of the crime crew. And then... The ringmaster returns the turban to the prince, who thinks that this is great. It's all part of the show. Yep, and not a trace of hypnomancy to be seen to make him believe this. Actually, there was a trace of hypnomancy to be seen to make him believe this. Yeah, 
I know there was. Now that the show is over, the kids leave. The captured crooks who were deemed to not be crooks at all bust out of their self-provided cage and make up with the ringmaster. And that's it. All over. That's it, folks. No foul. No flag on the play. Everything resets to zero. We're done. Yep. Clean slates all around. Meanwhile at the power apartment. Home of the broken parents. Jim is checking on Maggie and notices some of the recent paintings she has done. We do not see them, but his reaction tells us lots. They are twisted and scary, obsessed with death and destruction, so grim and dark that they could be mistaken for Warhammer 40k setting. Maggie herself is sitting on the bed, staring out of the window, staring at nothing. Her eyes are reflecting the cosmos. She is seeing weird things, alien and claws and spaceships and Windows 98 on Apple computers. This is not good. Luckily, the kids are home to distract him from his wife going insane. That night, the kids prep the boys' bedroom for Franklin to have somewhere to sleep, and then all the kids then sit down to watch some TV. Alex has a killer headache, so he is really grouchy, and in the shadows... His siblings think that he is looking different, which causes him to be even more snappy. Alex walks into the bathroom, rubs his face, looks in the mirror, and well, (laughs) why the long face, Alex? Yeah, his hair is really long in the front, his nose is elongated, his eyes are big. Something is really off. I'd say. It's like he's being drawn by John Romita Jr. or Frank Miller now. To be continued. Next issue, Back to School. And before we get to that, we have to do the themes of the issue, themes of the issue, themes of the issue. Yay! We will start off with Power Pack Packaging, where we look at the cover of the book. We always do the cover last because we have already told you what the book is, and now we can look at the cover and say, does this cover tell us what's in the book? I don't know, because when I look at the cover, I'm just hypnotized. Yeah, you hear the hypnotoid sound. It's just... Because it says, Power Pack versus the villainy of the Ringmaster and his circus of crime. And Hypnomaster... No, that's not his name. Ringmaster is front and center with his hands forward and you got all the little hypno rings coming out of his hat and he's saying you must buy this book and it covers up like the 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 kids in the box as well it doesn't cover up the the price or the number but it it's kind of kind of cool how they they did that they they have part of the corner box covered up by the rings yeah no it's it's a catchy cover yeah i like this cover this is also done by tom morgan and i know that we've kind of been if you yeah. on his art but i i like this cover i think this is very much in the era i think a lot of she hulk's covers and excalibur's covers where it's breaking the fourth wall and kind of talking to the audience kind of a thing i don't mind them i think it's i mean they're cheap ploys to buy a book and there's this one saying you must buy this book it, that they're calling it out so i kind of like it it's a, it's a good-looking cover. It's a great drawing of Ringmaster. The hypno circles do draw the eye. They do make you want to look at it. Yeah. And the fact that he's a hypnotist really kind of sells it with him going, you must buy this book. It's like, ah, that's funny because he can control my mind. I'll pick this up. So uh, yeah, I, it's a great-looking cover. Yeah. Uh, it's just that, I mean, we're going to get to it, but the story inside is the only reason why I always think of this one. I'm like, why don't I know what this is about? Oh. Oh, that's why. Yeah. Uh, what's funny on this, too, is that they really sell it like – 
you know, it's Ringmaster and the Circus of Crime. They're going head to head versus Ringmaster, the villainy of the Ringmaster, who was like, dudes, we suck at crime. We need to go legit. I've set up actually profitable businesses. We can just do what we do and not worry about anything and actually do better than what we've been doing. Let's just do that. It's like he was trying to turn over a new leaf, which I totally respect him for. Yeah. I mean, we wouldn't have a story if the if the clown turned everything around, yeah. but yeah. There's that. Well, they could have also done a thing where it would have been like uh Ringmaster says we're going straight, everybody's like, "Well, okay, we are." And then like somebody else is trying to steal it, but it makes it seem like they're part of the circus and then the circus of crime could get involved in that. And then you could have kind of a kerfuffle that way where it's just like power pack versus the circus of crime versus this third faction. And it's this big kerfuffle. And then at the end, it could be like, oh, wait a minute. Circus of crime actually wasn't being the criminals. Wow, that's cool. What? So that would yeah. have been neat. And they could have gotten away with it that way without resorting to the hypnotism ploy at the end to just go, you're not going to worry about it. They could have gotten away with it too for those darn kids let's get into this a little bit more Mm -hmm. here i want to start off with something that's just a little crazy to begin with and and it's weird i'm not a sports fan at all but on page seven alex is wearing a yankees hat but jack makes a comment on the mets they're a similar hat no they're not but don't they both have just the 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 ny and one's red and one's white like i said like i said not a fan but i'm sure that we got some fans out there that are new york fans and they could write us in and tell us but when I looked it up, that symbol as it is, is a Yankee symbol. The okay. New York Mets is, they kind of have the background of the uh, of the city behind them. So it's quite, I don't get the comment. Okay. But once again, not from New York, don't understand it. I'm sure it's perfectly fine. I just don't get it. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Uh, also, the, come on uh, the past handful of issues continuity has been kind of <laughs> wave your hand in a general direction of you know kind of like a, it's a thing the thing over there it's what it well, is no, they, they 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 kept the continuity going with never naming raymond until this issue so we got that going for us you know <laughs> who yeah yeah uh all right Let, let's move on beyond sports and talk about what was co- the reason we were talking about sports and that was because alex was covering his hair so <sighs> Being a guy who's got a full head of hair, Jeff, maybe you can answer this for me. Okay. Well, you, sh- you see, if you get a bald spot and you get a buzz cut, hair grows in on that bald spot. Is that what happens? That's exactly what happens. Yeah, okay. it's, it's weird because the very first page of the comic shows Alex, and he has a definite, like, full thumb size bald spot in his uh, on his crown. You know, right, yeah. in his, right, in his, right on his forehead area. And he's freaking out about that. It is very, very obvious. And if he got a buzz cut... Uh, you would still have that bald spot, but it's like filled in now and everybody's like, oh my God, ah, you're a skinhead. And it's like, no, this is, he's got a full head of hair. Right. It's if just really actually, short. If they, if they had actually gone with a cue ball, yeah. that would have been different. And yeah. that would have been frightening, but it would have been different. <laughs> yeah, because but every time they're showing his hair, it is, he's just got, you know, he's got a, he's got the Duke off yeah. of G.I. Joe's. He's got a yeah. Duke haircut, you know, blonde. Yeah. Full head. It's about you know. It's like a quarter inch long. He he went in and said, "I want number one on the on the top," and yep. that's what they gave him. And and yeah, it, it's it's a it's fine. It's fine. It's different than what he had because he had yep. gotten quite a lot of and, hair. But I think his hair previously had been fairly short too, until it got kind of nineties out and got really long. Not buzzed. Not this short. Yeah. Yeah. Blonde, white young kid who looks angry with a buzz cut. Wearing a black t-shirt. Wearing a black t-shirt. Hmm. Let me tell you, it's a look. It is it's a look. It's a look. 
a type All of right. look. <laughs> We've got Maggie broken. Yes. Jim, Jim, I guess, understands what's going on, but he is not. We, we've got still got a continuity problem, like we mentioned. We still aren't getting the real characterization of these people. So no. Jim's not acting like himself. And we can go with that and say, well, Jim has been confronted once again that his kids have superpowers. He's trying to hold himself together. He's trying to hold his wife together. He's trying to hold his family together. There's a lot here. The kids know that this is a dangerous situation. They know that he is, that, that he could be having some real mental issues. They know that their mom is having mental issues. We are not seeing them care about it at all. At all. They're not even talking about it. I don't think that there's any reference by the family that like, oh man, my kids have superpowers. There might be one spot where I think Jim is thinking to himself that it's like, oh, my kids have superpowers. But it's nothing. It's, yeah, that's... Ah, I almost want to flip through it and look really quick. Yeah, I th- yeah. he mentions, he goes, ever since she learned the truth about the kid, she's been, ah, Alex is hiding in the shadows. It's it's nothing. There's no conversation about it. The kids aren't talking about it. The parents aren't talking about it. But yeah, it's just like, there's no caring about it at all. No. There's no trying to fix Maggie. They understand what's going on. She got broken because they found, you know, they found out once again and they had a big to-do about that like 10 issues ago. And, and and this is this is a point in time where you're like, hey, hey, remember how the alien race said that this could be a problem and the 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 thing has happened, the switch has been flipped, the dam has been broken, we need to do something. Friday, come on down. We need to make a one-way trip over to Camellia and fix this problem. Yeah. Oh, you're busy dealing with these two people who are not your family? Mm-hmm. What is happening? What is happening? Why isn't anybody thinking this through? Yeah, this is a random dude walks into your apartment. I guess he's your roommate now kind of situation. Uh, yeah, it, it, it doesn't make much sense. By the way, you never apologized for that. You never apologized for doing that to me. That wasn't a bad five years for you. <sighs> Says you. Stinky. <laughs> hey, Sounds you loved it when I trimmed my toenails at the uh, breakfast table and you were eating cereal. You got those little special <laughs> crunchies, we call them. <laughs> All right. Speaking of <laughs> speak, speaking of tables, you brought up speaking of tables. I did some counting in here, and guess what? Guess what? Once again, we have the powers at a kitchen table, and not enough chairs. Yep, there's four not chairs. Not enough chairs. Yep. for dad. Not enough. I guess mom's not allowed at the table anymore. No, mom's broken mentally, so she's not allowed at the table anymore. Well, and I am the cook of the family, so I'm not going to sit down with my family anymore. Oh, we have we have a fifth family member coming. Mm, I'm he sorry, no he chair. doesn't get a chair either. Yep, yep. We do not have a full table of chairs. Here's a thing on that. To you brought up like well I guess I'm the cook of the family now. Uh, Jim has cooked for the family plenty yes. of times. He is a good cook, yes. and they make a big to do of that. Like Dad's cooking. Oh, it's bad. Mm, I guess it's nutritious. Oh, and even Jim's like, oh, this is not good food. Yeah, and, and and that's the thing is that Jim Jim is a good cook. Maybe the kids don't like his lentil soup because they just they've uh, had it lentils. so many times. You yeah, know? but at the same time. He has shown, been shown making breakfast, pancakes, yeah. stacks of pancakes, and the kids love his food. We can uh, say that apparently- it's because he's distracted right now due to, you know, Menti- <laughs> oh, he Maggie's found, he mental found, anguish. He found out his parent, his kids have powers, and the part of his brain that broke was how he to use a spatula. Or oh, something, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I hate it when that happens. Oh, I hate it's it. so I hate rough. It, I hate it. Let's talk about the circus of crime. I mean, we've talked about them before. Yeah, <laughs> they're the best. <laughs> they are. They're the best. If by the best you mean the worst. I know. I, I, I love them so much because they're so terrible. They're just. <laughs> it, 
It's so funny because they are, they have one trick and it's the worst trick imaginable. Their entire gimmick is come to the circus. We're going to fleece you and make you forget that you were here. And that's our gimmick. Or not even forget that you're here. Just make you forget that this is where you got robbed kind of thing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, It's, it's so ridiculous in this too, because their circus act was ringmaster comes out and goes, let's have a great performance. And then immediately they try and steal the gem and then immediately it's given back. And then the circus just leaves. It's just like, this is the worst circus ever. I paid 36 bucks for this. It lasted two minutes. I don't know. I, I, I mean, yeah, probably did only last two minutes. I think it was an action packed two minutes for everybody else that wasn't power pack on the prince. Oh, the prince seemed to enjoy himself. Okay, oh, fine. The prince was giddy with it. Yeah, giddy with laughter. But I mean, you know, come on. It's everybody else probably had a good time. They're looking around going, hey, look at the action. Look at the silliness. Hey, that guy stole that guy's turban. Ah, yeah. <laughs> oh. Hey, do you remember when power pack used to like hide their excursions in the uh, in the realm of super heroics? And would yeah. like cloud up and everything. They have just thrown that under the bus where they're like, hey, we're in the middle of a circus. Time to costume on. Right in front of everybody. Right Not in a front problem. of everybody. Yeah, exactly. Who cares? Did, yeah, there, there was even a scene in there where uh, I'm going to guess you know, it's like they costumed on and then all le- left out, including Franklin. I'm going to assume he was in his dream self. But in this kind of continuity little run, it's hard to tell. He may have just costumed on and jumped up and said like, yeah. But then he promptly disappeared. So, uh. <laughs> Well, he's like, yeah, I can't do anything in this. Yep. So glad I was brought into this. <laughs> Again, I think we beat this horse to death in the book itself, but mm-hmm. why would the Power family take in Franklin? It just seems counterproductive. It makes why, no sense. Why would the Richards send them over there when they're like, hey, we found out that the Power Kids have powers? You know what? Go on over there. I'm sure that no bad things are going to happen. Yeah. and it, Or have it, happened. Yeah, Jim and offers then, it. And he's like, yeah, I don't then, even know why Jim's, I offered this. And yeah. And I was like, come on over, Franklin. I'm dealing with a broken wife and four kids that have superpowers. I can handle one more kid. Yeah. This will take a load off your parents, the superheroes, who may have an understanding of this. And then, yeah, even... uh read well read it's always hard to get a re- good read on them but with sue it's just like oh this is but you know she's like oh this is so hard on us we have to be strong we can't we can't show him how hard it is on us to let him go and it's like you don't have to he's your kid maybe maybe you and the power family bubble and you can talk <laughs> and discuss things and it could be like maggie and jim and, could be and, like and, and when and when when you go over and see how Jim how Jim is holding up a broken woman, you can say, "Hmm, maybe this is not a good idea. Maybe this isn't the best time. Maybe we all need to get together and talk. Maybe see a therapist or something because something. they could use it. They yeah. really need that. There is, yeah. Uh, the, other than finding a place to park Franklin, so the Fantastic Four to go to the uh, negative zone or something, it makes no sense." It really makes no sense. What really should be happening is that the family should be getting closer together and communicating. And frankly, you know, and Reed could be like, oh, well, let's discuss this. And kids, how did you get your powers? And let's determine this yeah. stuff. And here's how you can do safely things. And Sue could do the same thing. And then, yeah, it would be like, oh, my goodness, Maggie, Jim, how, you're holding up because you're the strong man of the family. But how is your weak, weak wife? You know, you know, <laughs> yeah, uh, it makes it makes no sense no. at all. No. Now, in this in this book's favor, I will go back to the Circus of Crime and say, as ridiculous as the Circus of Crime is, 
that's why I do enjoy the stories. Yeah. And as as far as a ridiculous circus of crime story goes, this is fine. This is yeah. just fine. It is. It's stupid and ridiculous, but that's what we come to expect from the circus of crime. That's what they come to expect themselves. So <laughs> I love the fact that the ringmaster's like, oh, we're not good at this. We're not good at this. We're not good at this. Yeah. And we're bad at being bad. Any, yeah. Pretty much any time the circus of crime is involved, it's just like, and the stakes couldn't be lower. You know, it's it's always nice. It's very refreshing because it's like, well, what happens if they get away? Well, then I lost the money in my wallet. Pretty much. And well, I was kind of partial that $23. You know, yeah. it's, that's it. It's, it's just great. Hang on. I got to call and cancel the credit cards. Ugh, Give me a moment. This sucks. Yeah. Uh, carnival-based crimes. Push three. <laughs> was it the circus of crime? Push one because obviously one. Did, did you and your family purchase tickets to circus of crime? No, we are not going to stop the charges. You deserve to have your money stolen. <laughs> Oh, oh, wait a minute. Oh, sir? Yes, uh, I'm aware that you got a really good deal on a Groupon for Circus of Crime. <laughs> but realize on that Groupon, you you did, you know, accept the terms of, you know, terms and services agreement on that, right? Well, yeah, I clicked it. I just clicked it, but I didn't want to be robbed. Well, in there, it stated that you would be robbed by a hypnotist and a strongman. It says that we are not going to be held legally responsible for your stupidity. Yeah. Have a good day, sir. Click. Yeah. Ma'am, you just said click. I know. I know. I just want it's to hear ironic. <laughs> I just want to hear you cry on the other end because I figured I could get away with it since you bought tickets to the literal circus of crime. You know what is not a crime though? What's that? Chris Eliopoulos. He's no. a gift to humanity. He's a treasure. He is. Although I did find a couple of mistakes in here with his with the lettering. Mm-hmm. But I blame that on just everything up and down the board. Yeah. As part of the creator team's creative team spotlight, I wanted to talk a little bit about Chris Eliopoulos. He's the letterer for Power Packs 59, 60, 61, and 62. Chris Eliopoulos, for those of you that are not paying us money on our Patreon account, first, shame on you. You should pay us money and listen to our Patreon shows because we talk about the all-ages books of Power Pack that came out in the 2000s. And part of those books, part of those books at the very beginning was Chris Eliopoulos' and Mark Sumerak's wonderful series, Franklin Richards, Son of a Genius. And that's one of the ways that we are very familiar with him. He's, he wrote this fantastic series of comics called Franklin Richards, Son of a Genius, kind of Calvin and Hobbes, or Franklin and Herbie as Calvin and Hobbes, with wackiness. But Chris Eliopoulos has a very long past at Marvel Comics. I mean, he, not only Marvel Comics, just comics in general, he is the letterer on hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of issues. The big one, of course, he did the first hand lettering of the first hundred issues of the ongoing Savage Dragon comics. He got into Valiant, Dark Horse. He's written stuff as well as just been involved with a lot of the lettering. He has done nearly everything. He's got he's kind of become a real ambassador from the comics world as well. He does a lot of talks, he does a lot of discussions, he does a lot of presentations as well. He's kind of one of those people that once this COVID thing uh, stops, I really want to hunt down and talk to as well, just because I'm a big fan of his work. I think that he's done very clear lettering work, and I just like his sense of humor with his written work as well. So not only is he you know, taking the lettering part of these comics and, and uh, making them 
uh, you know, uh, and being an, a valuable member of the Creative Comics team, he also has done his own stuff as well. Do you want to add anything, Jeff? No. All right. <laughs> I like the stuff that I've seen of Chris Eliopoulos. It's really what it boils down to. Yeah. That all being said, let's mosey on over to the corner of the room that Jeff likes to squat in. That would be the science corner. For my science squats. In this issue, the pack went to a circus, and that got me thinking. What is a modern circus, and how did it get its start? A circus is a company of performers who put on diverse entertainment shows that may include clowns, acrobats, trained animals, trapeze acts, musicians, dancers, hoopers, tightrope walkers, jugglers, magicians, unicyclists, as well as other object manipulation and stunt-oriented artists. The person that is often credited as the father of the modern circus was Philip Astley, 1742 to 1814, a six-foot-tall ex-cavalry man. In 1768, he and his wife, Patty, established Astley's Riding School in London, where Philip would teach in the morning and perform equestrian tricks in the afternoon. Astley's shows consisted of only trick-writing exhibitions until 1770, when he hired a clown, Mr. Merriman, musicians, and other performers for a show in order to provide spectators with a diverse entertainment. Because of these innovations, he is credited with having developed the modern circus. He eventually built a roof over his ring and added a stage for dramatic performances. So, there you go. The origins of the modern circus. It is fun for children of all ages, but just be sure to keep your eye on the ringmaster, because if he has a hypno-spinner on his hat, you might want to get out of there while your wallet is still intact. And that is this week's Science Corner. And now I want us all to be like Alex, fresh with a buzz cut on his head and a, a New York baseball team hat on his head, leaning into the family refrigerator not noticing all the wonderful artwork that has been collected over the years. I may be stretching here. Let's just talk about the refrigerator gallery. <laughs> Let's talk about what piece of art in the book needs to be on that family refrigerator. And as always, we start off with the second place joke one. Jeff, what you got? My backup joke one is on page 10, and I call it Sue's Body Language. Now, this is the top right panel, and this is, <laughs> this is when they're getting ready to ship the Elan off back to home, and Franklin's going to go live with the powers and everything, and Reed and Sue are there and everything, and, you know, and Reed's got his hand on Franklin's shoulder and, you know, and his left hand on his wife's shoulder and everything, and the body language that Sue has is that she's got a hand on his chest, and it really looks like she's kind of pulling away from him she is not leaning into his touch at all she is reed we've talked about this i don't like being touched in front of other species yeah yeah Yeah, it's just yeah and she's she's talking to uh, franklin and saying saying goodbye is difficult son but it's part of life it's part of growing but she is all of her body language is leaning away from reed and that is funny to me because I'm going to assume it's his idea to go, oh, yeah, sure, we can let our kid go live over at this other person's house. <laughs> no, eh, whatever. Oh, no, no. Yeah, yeah. I would like to follow that up with my funny backup one. That's on page mm-hmm. 11. Ah, and it's the uh, bottom I know corner. It oh, it's not. 
The bottom corner. Yeah, I, I didn't do the top ones. I didn't go mm-hmm. into the, the, the upskirt gig. I went into the bottom corner, and it's where Friday is taken off. And there's this big whoosh, <laughs> and there's this big, giant black thing, black cloud, and, like, this energy, and this, like, shot up in the air. It looks like some, some explosion or something bad happened there. And Franklin's walking away from it with this sad look on his face, carrying these two huge dump bags. And I just said, yep, destroyed another house. Moving on. Moving on. It's like yeah. it's like he's just it's like he bombed a house and is walking away from it and just like I had to kill my family. He's got the cool guy explosion going on in the background, and he has two of the largest duffel bags in the entire the world. Largest. And apparently yeah. it's filled with nothing but Legos, you know? Yeah. It, they are heavy as all get out. He's just he's a champ. He's got he's not even complaining, he's not dragging him, he's just walking. Well he 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 has to because if he complains the tears are going to start coming um from everybody let's go ahead and go to your top funny one sir okay my top funny one is on page 13 and i call it that's not how couches work and it is the bottom panel on the page and it's the ringmaster telling the circus of crime how they suck at crime and everybody else except for like clown is they're all sitting on a couch, except nobody's sitting on it right. It's like, strong man is on the back of the couch. You know, he's the heaviest person there, so put him on the most tippiest part. The human cannonball's sitting on the floor, leaning against it. The Gambinos are, you know, sitting on, like, either, you know, armrest and live wires, just standing behind the, his couch with his arm on strong man. <laughs> yeah, it is, you're, you're right. Th- this couch... This is physically not possible. This couch needs to be flipping. Yeah, basically. Well, I'm going to say that, like, the Gambinos and the human cannonball especially are really trying to pin it down. And we can even say that, like, Livewire is pushing no, li- Strongman forward. Livewire yeah, he's like pushing, pushing him down. Him down. More. Yeah. yeah, this couch should be, yeah, it should be Nova. It should be cups no. over kettles. Yeah. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. My top funny one is on page 20. And we need to talk about this. This is page 20, and this is the ridiculous costume change that they threw in there. It's it's almost like they're like, this effect is too expensive to show. Yeah. So we're so not going to show... Inter- you know, put in a flashcard. And it, yeah, it would sound, it, this is what it would sound like. Vroom! Costumes on! It, it is... It's nuts. It's this orange background with these yellow stars that are kind of like zooming into this horizon in the center where you got these seven purple lines that are coming in at this focal point in the center. And there's this giant thunderbolt that's coming in right at that center point, too. It is right out of the title card of a Wonder Woman show. That's the last time I saw this. We aren't showing the kids doing the, the swirly costume change that we've seen for 58 issues. No. No, they just inserted no. a very cheap panel. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so weird. All right, let's go ahead and go to the good stuff. For backup, my backup is on page 27. I call this Maggie's Eyes. Oh, that's a good one. And this is the, the picture of Maggie, and she's staring outside. She's staring out the window, and we're just seeing her eyes. And they are just open up, and you're seeing this purple irises, and the centers are white with a star, and it's just... Yeah, it's it's like she's looking at the cosmos and she's seeing the 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 star brand. It's it's real freaky. It's real creepy. It really is. Yeah, it's she has borne witness to the color out of space and is now <laughs> you know a, a haunter in the dark kind of thing. It is. She's got Lovecraftian eyes at this yes. stage who have gazed not, not upon Betty the Davis cosmos. Eyes, Lovecraftian eyes. What is your backup best one? My backup best one is on page fourteen, and I call it. Kirby hand. <laughs> this is the top. <laughs> can you figure out why? It is the top left hand panel, and it is a picture of the you know the 
torso and hand and hat of Ringmaster, except it is a Kirby hand because it is front and center. It is taking up uh, at least a third of the page because it's, you know, it's so close to the camera lens kind of thing. It's I always love a Kirby hand. I can go with it. I can see it. It's it's 3D-esque, mm-hmm. if you will. It's great. Yeah, I just I just thought that was great. It's a good looking picture of a uh, ringmaster, but yeah. it is also just a great Kirby hand. Let's go a page after, and we're going to go page fifteen, and I'm going to call this the crew. It's a, it's an overhead shot looking down at these six members of the Circus of Crime that are going to actually be the Circus of Crime and not the Circus of We're Just a Circus. Yeah, Circus of Circusers. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So it is clown, live wire, the acrobats. Human Cannibal and Strongman, they've all got their hands in and they're all saying, go team, go, go prime. prime. And, yeah. and it's, it's kind of a cool thing. They're just, they're all you know, assigning their allegiance to, you know, destruction and chaos. To crime. To crime. Uh, yeah, this is a great one. It's so great that it's actually my top choice and I call it crime is what brings us together. <laughs> crime. crime. Crime is what crime brings us together today. today. Yep. <laughs> and we are totally off on that one. Yeah. I would like to I, I would also like to say there's a frightening one here that we did neither of us mentioned, and that is by the way back on page eight, and that is the shot of Alex taking off his hat and we see yeah. him angry, downturned mouth, his eyes are just rolled up in his head, and he looks angry at everybody for the fact that he has got a buzz cut. Yep. Yep, yep. It's a good piece of art. It's a good piece of art. It's I just not don't Alex. want it on my fridge. Yeah. No. You know, late at night as I'm stumbling to the refrigerator, I give myself a glass of water and I kind of peer to make sure I'm reaching for the right handle and I see that, I'm like, ah! Yeah, so, good. so glad I, I framed that. I don't have to go to the bathroom anymore. Yeah. And on another note, I need a mop. <laughs> okay, okay. So uh, I guess, you know, we're going to go ahead and get a mop. We're going to go ahead and go forward, and we're going to move on to the rubber and glue moments, and we have to find out what is the best or most childish insult in the book. And Jeff... Yes, 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 I did steal that right from Tighten Up the Defense, and that would mean that there is a bozo alert. Did okay. you find the bozo alert? Um, We have no. an actual... <laughs> natural bozo in this book. Oh, yes. This is when Julie has costumed on and is going to go get the bejeweled turban away from uh, the Gambino and he call and she calls him Gambozo. That's yeah, Gambozo. right. Gambozo. And that is going to be my top rubber and gloom of it, but I just had to share that with you that we have a natural bozo. Yep, that's on page 21. That's on page 21. Yeah. <laughs> Got to love putting Bozo in somebody's name, who is not the clown. Nope, nope, nope. Bravo, bravo for that. (laughs) Yeah, she says, all right, you gambozo, come back here with that jewel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So that was my top one. I had to throw that in there. What is your backup one, sir? My backup rubber and glue moment is on page 14, and it is Alex. It is when they have first gotten to the circus, and they're finding their seats, and they see the prince and his bodyguards. No, 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 I'm not. I am not going to allow this one. I am not going to allow this one because I got to say, this one is problematic. Oh, it is massively problematic. It is also very childish. It is childish and massively problematic and is a very big indicator of concerns that I have with Alex. Yes. Let's just say that he sees the prince, he notices the, what the prince is wearing, and he makes a very racially offensive yes. comment about yes. what he is wearing on his yes. head. Yes. Yep, yep, yep. 
I fully agree. Yep. Yep. We don't even need to say what it is. But yeah, it, I just thought that was a very, and I mean this in the worst way possible. It was a very childish insult. Yes. It yes, was yes, yes. culturally inappropriate. It was, just, everything about it was inappropriate and wrong. Yes. Unlike mine, where it's on page 11, and this is my backup one, and this is after the upskirt moment occurred, and the lady who was with the guy at, in Central Park having a nice moment and Friday lands and her skirt blows up and her hair blows up and she says, oh no, my hair, I must look like Phyllis Diller because we're not insul- insulting Phyllis Diller. She does look like Phyllis Diller there. Her hair is pretty, <laughs> pretty, pretty insane. Yeah. And her boyfriend Dirk says, she never looked so good. And, yeah. And Lydia says, oh, Dirk, which is most of their conversation. Yep, 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 so. yep, yep, yep. So that is my back. What's your top one, sir? My top one is on page 25, and I'm not certain if it's Julie or Katie that says it, so I'm just going to assign it to Katie. And it is when the ringmaster is beaten feet with the turban, and uh, they're carrying a cage to cage up the uh, circus of crime. And Katie goes, wow, what a chicken. Yeah. <laughs> and what a chicken. That's a very a childish chicken. thing to say. What a chicken. Yeah. Because I mean, that, if, Ali, if Alex was there, then he would like you know pussed out, oh, yeah, out his chest and uh, be ready to throw down and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, he'd all be like, "I'm not a chicken. Ringmaster's a chicken." And Katie'd be like, "Yeah, that's what I said. What? What doesn't involve you at all? What's What's wrong with you, Alex? Oh, I'm no chicken. <laughs> I ain't no chicken. I ain't no chicken." But the question <laughs> is, Alex, Alex, here is your question: Do you get a star or do you get a detention? We need to find out the best and worst in the book. And we always, always, always start off with the worst. Who's the worst in this book? Uh, it could be most of them, but I'm going to assign it to Alex. Alex, yeah. Yeah. I didn't even want one to. One reason. One reason alone. His racist comment on page 14, that I will not repeat. We want him and his racist comment out of here. You and your racist comment. And your racist friend. Yeah, it's a, a good thing that he does. He does mist guide the animals that got loose into a cage so that way they're not gonna you know menace the public whatever but you know that that's kind of the good the least, thing he did the least offensive thing that he did in this issue yeah yeah all right let's go on to the best the best okay. i got jack i could see that i uh, again this was a hard one for who was the best just because sure not really not really anybody did anything yeah kind yeah. of a thing and i felt I, I, bad I was, about that i was saying jack because I, throughout this run he seems like the only one with an actual character yes. everybody else seems very cardboard mm-hmm. and he again was funny he was honest his conversations about his brother mm-hmm. also he took out crusty so you know i gotta go with him <laughs> on that one he is the one who took out the crown the the clown by shooting out the unicycle that was a baller move i'm giving it to him for that I approve. I think that's great. I am going for Katie for my star child. Okay. Why? She juggled animals. That's the reason she is not my star. <laughs> I thought that was I thought that was wonderful. It was a way of removing dangerous land-based animals is to juggle. It was ridiculous. But in in the, in the purview of this, there's more reasons, but that was that was one where it's just like, okay, she took care of the dangerous animals. Ridiculous. Utterly ridiculous, but go for it. First of all, uh, uh can Katie, does Katie know how to juggle? Probably not. Second, the, the, the powers don't necessarily work that way. She's going to be touching something in order for degravitizing it. So yeah, I, there is 
I got issues. <laughs> there again, there are issues. It is ridiculous. It yes. really, really is. I'm just saying that she removed a threat. That's great. She also hauled the cage over, you know, with Julie and dumped it onto the escaping criminal version of Circus of Crime. Sure. Uh, so she captured the Circus of Crime. So there wasn't a lot of people doing super good stuff. She was also excited that Franklin was coming to live with them. And she was all like, hey, Franklin, we're going to go to the circus. And so she broke that awesome news to him. And he's like, I've never been to the circus. So you're going to love it. Uh, again, kind of hard to find a good kid. Your family's taking down Circus of Crime. I mean, come on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, all right, all that aside, it's time to do the ranking of this book. Mm -hmm. And the only way we can do that is talk about who we got at the top, who we got at the bottom. At the top still is Power Pack 42. That's number one. We're going to go down here all the way to place 15. We've got Power Pack number 50, Friday's Children. Going down another 15 spots to number 30, we've got Boogeyman capturing... Katie, kidnapping Katie, and the kids sneak out of the school to rescue her. Oh no! That was from Power Pack 14 School Days. Down at spot 45, we still have special effects. Jeff's favorite issue of all time with Power <laughs> Pack, and where Power Pack lies to Sunspot and Warlock. Spot 60, we are getting down there, folks, and we've got Fire! The one we talked about with Shag, and that was Power Pack number 57. And at the very bottom, we have Power Pack 56. <laughs> so uh, the issue, I mean, the, the issue before this, we were just wrapping up this three-part run. And we were lukewarm on that one as well. And that's the reason why that one came in as spot number 64. So, you know, three from the bottom. We didn't think that it ended that well that entire trilogy, this is a little different. I, while I've got problems with it, I still think that this is a more complete story. I think there are elements overall in the overall plot for the longer issues that they've got going on that I've got problems with, but I do kind of like the Circus of Crime thing. It is a throwaway type of a story idea, but it's done fine. It's done well. It is as goofy as it needs to be. It works well in that aspect, and I'm willing to give it a little bit of credit for that. Okay, well, how about we look at another throwaway one, which was Marvel Fanfare uh, number 55, which is in spot 62, and that's Battle of PS87, and that's where Magic and Warlock help the pack fight a demon while Jack gets bullied. I, I tell you, I'm, I'm willing to go above that, because we've got mm -hmm. uh, above that... A few spots, we've got Power Pack 57 and Spot 60, the Fire, where we had Shag on the show, talking about Starstalker. I think this is better than that. Mm -hmm. um, I think that this is a little bit more... I mean, I don't like putting things above Thor. I think we've got Thor too low, but the Thor 363, I think we could go above that. I would say myself that this is a little bit better than the Great Gugam Treasure Hunt. Okay. Just because I think that this is a... There's more things that work right in this story that don't work in the other one. The characters aren't really here. The characters weren't quite there in that one as well. I think that this would be a new number 58. I don't want to put this above Whoopi Goldberg in the new, as a numinous, though. <laughs> <laughs> you can't. I can't. You have can't. a legal contract with her saying that we can't do that. <laughs> so I am, I, I'm willing to say that this is 58. I'm great with that being 58. Yeah. Okay, so not as good as Whoopi, but better than two-thirds of the Three Stooges. <laughs> That's what we've got. Mm -hmm. You know what else we have, though? We also have a beverage that we have been drinking this entire night. Yeah. And this is Delirium Red from Belgium Ale. Jeff, you liking this still? 
Yeah, this is uh, decent. The flavor has remained consistent. Yes. Yes, it has. It's, you know, you sip it. It's very sweet. It keeps that core of tart. It has not changed. It's warmed up some. Nothing is changing on it. It's pretty easy to drink. It's it's tasty. Is this something that I would go for all the time? Would I reach in perpetually? No, because it has a sweetness that I'm not looking for in a beer. It tastes a bit like a wild cherry lifesaver. Yes. Not bad. It's just you don't know if you really want that in a beer. <laughs> yeah, it, that's the thing. I think this could be a short can. This could be like a ha- you know half size. It could be almost be an eight ounce can, and it would be like just perfect. It's sweet. It's a dessert. I think this is a this is okay. This is a dessert beer. Mm-hmm. A category that I don't know if it exists. It is. It's a it very does. sweet candy like dessert beer. This would yeah. be something that you could. Give me my delirium red, and could I have a black forest cake slice? Yeah, yeah, I could see that pairing quite well together. Yeah, so it would be very short, much short one glass, of those short glass, though. I would see this pairing really, really well with a good chocolate. Dear God in heaven, I am really hungry for some dessert cake right now, but Heck yeah. we can't have that right no. now. What we can have is we can have some Powerballs to tell us what we think this deserves. I'm gonna go for a four on mine. It's it's yeah, it's decent. I, it's good. It's not again. It's not what I'm looking for in a beer, yeah. but it is a very good flavor. Yeah, I will match that four. I think that the four is a good a good barometer of it. I enjoy it. I like it. Not definitely in my top tier, but it's interesting enough that it's holding my my interest. And those are my words, and I have used my words, and I am willing to stop using my words so you can say some other words. I will say some words. You know what I think is good and I enjoy? Hmm. That would be Kids Perspective. And that's where Rick talks to his 10-year-old daughter, Carrie, about the book we just covered. So, Rick and Carrie, please take it away. Hello, Carrie. How are you today? I am good. And how are you? I am doing just fine. Are you ready to talk about this comic book? Yes. Okay. I guess the first thing that I should ask is, what are your thoughts on the circus? The circus of crime? Just the circus in general. I like the normal circuses, like um, the ones with no supervillains jumping out of nowhere. Okay. Um, What's your favorite part of a circus? Maybe the kettle corn. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the kettle corn. All right, sounds good. Well, let's get our kettle corn in hand and go visit the circus of crime. What do you think about the circus of crime? Well, at first I thought Ringmaster was a little bit more evil, but I guess he was covering himself up. He's normally evil. He decided to try to do something good this time. And by going along with that feeling, he kept his guys from getting into trouble this time, right? He kept them from getting into trouble? Well, I mean, because he had the jewel at the end and he gave it back to the prince and he didn't try to steal it, right? Right, right, right. Okay. So, what did you think of the story overall? Did you think think it was fun? Did you think it was boring? It was fun-ish, but um, the thing that I'm really quizzical on is, I know we're not talking about the All Ages, Yeah. but in the All Ages series, Power Pack Kids, they actually went to the circus and they saw a circus of crime. Yeah. And... Katie was actually really scared of clowns, and in this issue, she's like, Oh boy, clowns! My favorite! Oh, I can't wait to see them! And, but in that, but 
in that issue, she was like, clowns. <laughs> you're right. You're right. I had forgotten about that. But in, in the all ages book, she's deathly afraid of clowns. And here she's excited to see them, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think we can say that their interaction with Circus of Crime was better in the all ages book than this one, right? Possibly. Possibly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, is there any member of the Circus of Crime that you liked? Um, well, I guess the remaster was nicer at a teensiest bit. Okay, okay, sounds good. Um, is there anything else that you want to talk about as far as the circus part of the book goes? Maggie. She's ah. She's been acting a teensy bit weird. Well, right, because she found out that her kids have powers and it kind of broke her mind, right? Yeah, but something weird happened, so like... This isn't her original hairdo that we saw last issue. Yeah, the there are some massive inconsistencies going on with everybody's look. All the power kids. Yeah, they the even power made, parents. They, they even made um Alex have a, become a skinhead. Yeah, that's true as well. <laughs> yeah, Alex has a big thing going on with him but besides Alex's complete look changeover there's a lot of things that are just inconsistent with how the family looks i mean jim doesn't have a beard but next issue he does he's got a mustache and then a beard and everybody's hair is different and their looks different so maybe when maggie's mind kind of i don't think i don't think her look has i don't think her look has anything to do with her mind breaking (laughs) it would be a nice excuse but yeah Nope. No. Let's talk a little bit about Alex's look, though. He's been losing his hair, so he shaves his head, right? Yes. And then what happened to him at the end of the book, though? It grew back in this horrifying look. Yeah, he's really doing a big change, isn't he? What's he kind of changing to? What he's what's he's kind of changing to? Yeah. He's he's changing, isn't he? Yeah, he's changing. Yeah, What does he look like anything? I can't identify it. He just is looking really, really different, isn't he? He's looking kind of weird. Hmm. Well, we're going to have to wait and see what happens next book then. And it's true. Uh, Jack was like, yeah, and your nose looks bigger. <laughs> and, and Kitty's like, I don't know, Alex. In this light, your hair looks longer in the middle than on the sides. Hmm. It doesn't look recognizable to you now? It doesn't. Okay. Well... We will have to, I will have to give you the next book and then see what you think next book. Is it really, is it like one of these bad ones? No. (laughs) We've got about three more issues to go before the end of the series. Uh, And then there's going to be a couple more books that we're going to read. And then we get something that's going to be much, much better. I promise you. Phew. So you got about five more books to get through. Okay. Okay. It's not going to be easy, but we're going to make it, okay? Okay. Uh, Anything else you want to say before I let you go? Nope. All right. I love you. Thank you very much, Carrie. I love you, too. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. As always, Carrie, great points. Yeah. How about that circus, huh? How about that circus, indeed? And you know what, Jeff? I think it's time that we move on to the next part of our book, and that is... I mean, if I've downloaded the app, I might as well use it. Shout out time. We like to recognize those listeners that take the time to write in or leave us a review. This is like episode 74, like power pack, like 56 childhood ends. This is where like we had Nova speaking like this all the time and we're not. But I want to say AJ, 
Horse Alex era incoming. Spooky. Charles Gears. Chris Lydon. Clinton Robinson and his podcasts. Coffee and Comics and Fan Film Fridays. Doc Strange. Green Lantern HG. Hal Jordan. Hoover Jeremiah. And the Four Million Years Later podcast. Jeff Polier. Jeremy Daw, who says it's a good thing that this show is up and an active support group for fans. Lol. I do want to give the book props on having solid quality control for six years, though. Very few books hold that distinction. June Brigman. The Long Box Crusade, featuring Jason the Weasel Skull Albright. Mal! Who says, hope your beers are strong. Who knows, maybe reliving this run will be cathartic. Somehow? Max Trevor. New Warriors Talk. Sean Ross and the Secret Wars and Beyond podcast. Tim Bryce, the Podcrasher, and his show, The Outcasters. Waffles from Waffles and Mario Talk About Things. The worst comic podcast ever with my comic shopping buddy, Colin Stapleton. Be sure to check out the other shows that we're on. You can sometimes find our junior agent submissions on the MI6 Rogue Agent episodes of On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. And you can also find my show, Monthly Monday Movie Muck About on the Longbox Crusade Network. Check it out. It's quite good. And we have some merchandise available on Redbubble. Go to redbubble.com and search for Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Jeff and Rick Present is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded in front of a live studio audience of one awake and one half asleep co-hosts in Portland, Oregon. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff and Rick Present, our Facebook page, Jeff and Rick Present, our email address, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word at gmail.com or at our website, Jeff and Rick Present.wordpress.com. Also, our YouTube channel is Jeff and Rick Present. And if you would like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com Jeff and Rick Present, all one word. We are a proud supporter of the Hero Initiative, and we will be donating 10% of our Patreon donations to this great cause. We encourage everyone to give what they can to this worthwhile organization that helps the creators who provide us with such great content. Go to heroinitiative.org to find out more. Please rate and review us wherever you can. Tell your friends about us, share your love with us on social media, and have a pint with us anytime. Please do. That would be delightful. And as always, we want to thank the powerful people in our packs. My wife, Cindy, and our daughter, Carrie. My fiance, Hillary, and our daughter, Aurora. We love, love you. Until next time. Costumes, costumes off. off. Our theme is action. Also featured in this episode is Urban Gauntlet. All music is by Kevin McLeod of Competech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. And then you do beware, and then I'll do Total Recall, the action game you'll never forget. Okay. Do you want to hit the uh, Acclaim or the Nintendo or something? Acclaim, Masters of the Game! <laughs> yes, Hedonism Bot. <laughs> Acclaim, oh, masters. Entertainment, Masters of the Game! <laughs> Go for it. Oh, delightful. Got to get into Arnold voice. Boing. Boing. Yeah. Alex got a... That's right, my dear friend. Alex got a... Touche. Boing, boing. Well, thank I you. All of a sudden, I all of a sudden went to an REM thing there, and I, I don't know where it came from. Yeah. Hope you don't mind. I'm trying to figure out how I can fit in, and they feel fine. <laughs>
I kind of wrapped it up at the end of the world. <laughs> yeah. 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 Go for it. <laughs> boing, boing. The MacGuffin bounces across the tent into a ramp. Rampaging. Rampaging. Boing, boing. Thank you very much, Jeff. Now I want us to all be very much like Alex wearing a black shirt and having a buzz cut and watching his father lean. No, hang on. I'm going to start this all over again. Working in the shadows, knife in hand, plotting the death of his family members. Boing, boing. Sean. Yeah. Sean. Yeah. Sheen. I always Sean. See, yeah, I always just want to say the scene. Scene. That's because you're. That's, that's that's because you're a, a communist. Yeah, probably. Let's get the proletariat. No, the let's get the bourgeoisie. I don't know what I don't know what communism is. <laughs> I like their clothing. <laughs>